Today we're going we're gonna to be in the book of Isaiah, right there around chapter 55. But before we dive into the scripture, I just want to give you some context. Is that okay? Some clarity? Cool, cool. So glad you're here. Uh, Isaiah, if you're taking notes, and I think it would be profitable, is a major prophet. He's a major prophet. A prophet is someone who has the gift to foretell the future. So God uh, gifted Isaiah with this supernatural ability to foretell God's will to the people of Israel, the children of God. And uh, we call the book of Isaiah the mini Bible, the mini Bible. And it's because Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has 66 books. And so one of its nicknames is the mini Bible. Uh, most, most prophecies in the book of Isaiah point to the coming of Jesus, a lot of them actually. And uh, Isaiah had a big platform, major platform. So if CNN or Fox or MSNBC were to host a uh, a pastor or a preacher or a prophet, it would have been someone like Isaiah. He had a major platform. He, he prophesied for 60 years, and uh, he was faithful in his office. Um, he primarily spoke to Judah. So in this, in this just to, like I said, set us up, uh, Israel is within a civil war. So there are 10, 10 tribes that make up the nation of Israel, and then there are two tribes which make up Judah, the, su- the southern aspect of Israel, and they're, they're just going at it. They can't seem to agree. And uh, so these are very dark days that Isaiah is speaking into. He'd eventually foretell the fall of Israel, the top 10 tribes, to Assyria. Unless you repent, you're going to fall. Assyria is going to come in, and, and you're going to fall. And then he foretold the, the fall of Judah to Babylon. Babylon would then come in. And ultimately, if you want to just go ahead and sum this up, The message that he's giving is ultimately one of hope. He gives a message of hope and comfort, promising that God would restore all nations through Christ. And so the first half of Isaiah is a lot of just tough stuff. (laughs) And the second half there is a lot of comfort and and joy and peace and what God is going to do, especially when, when Jesus comes on the scene. And uh, so today, what I want to talk about is, is this idea of what it looks like to think big. Think big is, is today's message. Think big. And so with that, we're going to start off in Isaiah 55, verse 1. 55, verse 1. He says this here, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for money that does you, why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. This is a call to trust God. This is really an invitation to salvation. What it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just to clarify that, he says this here, verse 3, come to me with your ears wide open, wide open. So I hope someone came to listen today, and not just with your ears, but with your heart. And uh, he goes on and he says this, listen and you will find life, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. A covenant is 
is an agreement or a promise that God gives, everlasting. And he says this here, I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him. This is so key. See how I used him, David, to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. So God made him. As David allowed God to, to form him, as David gave God his heart, God made him. Advancing and, and God and, and growth in life is really just that simple. God, my heart is yours. Like the song, here I am abandoned, have your way in me. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is power, there is revelation. So David was a man who just said, God, here I am. Have me through and through. You own it all. And he said, when he did that, I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations. Now he's talking to the people. So he's using David as an example. They would have known David. And now he's talking to the people. You also will command nations you don't know. And peoples unknown to you will come running to obey. Because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Have made you glorious. So there's a contrast here with Judah and David. David used to be a shepherd boy. If you're taking notes, if this has any value to your life, maybe everything is okay in your life. But for me, I, not me, I want to grow. I, wanna, I want everything God has for me. And so David is a shepherd boy in his teenage years, and he's a nobody. And uh, the prophet Samuel, he's looking for a king in 1 Samuel. He's looking for the second king because Saul has gone crazy and God's like, I'm done with Saul. I need to find a second king. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house. Jesse is David's dad. And Samuel goes to anoint the new king. And so, uh, so, so, so Jesse brings his best seven sons in front of Samuel. And Samuel's like, uh, no, not him. No, not him. No, not him. No, not him. Do you have any more, any more sons, any more kids? And so Jesse says, he is... Uh, He's out in the field with the sheep. He's out in the field with the sheep. And so Samuel says, great, that's who we're waiting on. Go ahead and get him, and um, then we'll start the ceremony. No one sit down until he comes. The kid that's rejected and forgotten and just kind of out there doing his work, doing his job. And so David comes in. Uh, the Bible says he's handsome and, and, and ruddy. I love Old Testament, ruddy, so he's handsome and and, and, but he's a hard worker, and he's dirty, and he just comes in. And then Samuel just anoints him or pours the oil over him, sets him aside as king. David, we believe, is about 15. He's, he's appointed king. He's anointed king, but he doesn't step into his appointment until he's 30. So about a 15-year process of God making him greater and better and growing him. But within that, you, you have to understand that David is thinking big. He, he's in the sheepfold, but his dreams are huge, and he's thinking big. And we see that when you read his fight against Goliath. Who, who's, def, who's, who's this uncircumcised Philistine defying our God? He's thinking big. Yeah, I know I'm a, I know I'm a shepherd, but I got a stone, and he's thinking big. We see it. And so uh, Isaiah goes on here. Let's, let's, let's look at this verse here. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7 says this, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. 
Why is this important? It's important because God wants to increase our effectiveness. He wants to increase our influence. He wants to increase our lives. Banish the very thought of doing wrong. Why? Because wrong minimizes your thought process. Banish the thought of of bitterness and, and, and shortcuts and laziness and anger. Banish the thought of doing wrong because it minimizes your life. Why is this? He just made the contrast. So he tells them, I'm going to do all this, but I need you to put in the effort to deal with your thoughts. So this is what I'm going to do, but it starts with how you think, how you see yourself, how you see God. A theologian, I'm, 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 I'm forgetting his name. He says that the most important thing about you is what you think about God and how great he is and, and what he's capable of. That's the most important thought about you. That's the mo- most important thought about every process in your life. And it's the difference between whether or not you're going to overcome or stay under it. It is what you think about God. So he says, banish all wrong thoughts. Why is this important? Number one, God, this is just so good. Not, this isn't on the screen, but I, I, this blesses me. Um, small thinkers want more of what they already have. Small thinkers want more of what they already have. Small thinkers know all that they will ever know. They, they could be 25, 30 right now, but you can guarantee if they're a small thinker, by the time they hit 60, they're still going to be telling the same jokes and laughing at the same stupid stuff. Y'all better wake up. Wake up. They know all they'll ever know. School, I don't know. Don't, don't educate me. <laughs> I'm fine right here. Training, uh, I know it already. I'm, I'm good right here. You know? And they, they write this down. They've gone everywhere they will ever go. I don't know about you, but the world's too big to be stuck in the DMV. And when I read the Bible and I consider Jesus... I see where when you grow in your relationship with God, he takes you places. But, but if you can't stay put for three, five, seven, six, ten years and just serve where you are and be with God where you are, it's a, it's a process. I can't wait on Joseph, man. Joseph, Joseph, dream. You know, you saw Cesar's Joseph, right? We saw him in the video. We, we, if you were in here earlier, we showed the preview to next week. And Joseph got a dream at 17. Yeah. And it just started getting worse and worse. The, the circumstances got worse. But his thinking got bigger. His faith got bigger. His character got bigger. It's so good. So just go ahead and write those things down. And um, what I want to do today is I want to give you four ways to increase the capacity of your thinking. 
Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your thoughts, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So I want to give you four ways to increase the capacity of your thinking. Number one, stretch your thinking. You got you to gotta stretch your thinking. Similar to how a rubber band has the capacity to increase itself and, and to fit more things in it, so does your mind. Yeah. God has physiologically designed your brain to make new connections. And so you can stretch past pain. You can stretch past hurt. You, you can get past the past. You can, you can get off of the same level of thinking, the same level of dreaming. But how do you do this? Well, you stretch your thinking through reading, studying, and filling your mind with the word of God. That's how you stretch it. And you don't, when, when you approach something as holy and as, as glorious as the word of God, as real and as relevant as the word of God, you don't just want, want to fill time. You don't just want to say, hey, uh, hey I'm, I'm going to read my Bible for the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes and Oh, man, that was a cool story. Now, like, the Bible says that this, this is God breathed. Yes. And so now I'm thinking about Isaiah 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. They're higher. They're greater. They're better. I want to make you like David. You may be a little shepherd boy right now. but I'm going to turn you into a king, into a queen. I want to take you places. I want to give you influence. I want to set you free. And so now that... Now, when I approach this thing, I got to come at it from a different angle. I just wanted to, you know, when I see my pastor, hey, did, hey, how you doing? God bless you. Hey, uh, did you read your Bible? Yeah, pastor, I read it. What did you get from it? Uh, uh, well, you know, God's good. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, all right. That's, that's pretty standard. Yeah. What did God say to you? Where the spirit of revelation, revelation is for God to reveal something to you that is not seen at the surface. So, so when you read the Bible, what you want to look for is revelation. Revelation is two things, not a part of my notes, but I think it add value to your life. Revelation is two things. It's God revealing something to you about who he is that you never knew before. And it's God revealing something to you about who you are in light of who he is. That's revelation. So I want to stretch my thinking because if Isaiah is talking about David and I know he's talking to Judah, what does this all mean? Well, it, it, it means that I need to go and read the life of David. And I need to see that the process to, to effectiveness and success and growth has a lot to do with rejection, heartache, pain, struggle, fighting. But within all of that, God's presence and his faithfulness and his provision and his love and his guidance and him holding on to me. So then tough times don't become so strange. Second way to become a big thinker 
no, I missed a verse here. Romans 12, verse 2 says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Watch this. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Watch this. Which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So I want to stretch my thinking. If the Bible says it's possible, it's possible. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to bring God's truth down to my level of understanding. I'm going to elevate my level of understanding to God's truth. Then I'm going to act that out and watch God move. So if the Bible says stop, you know, repent, turn from the sin or stop doing that or connect with these types of people. What I want to do is I want to, okay, I'm going to, Lord, I need your strength and I need your power because I'm going to turn from this and I'm going to start turning in this direction. But until we actually apply it, we, we, we're not able to see whether or not the thinking works. So, so all, all this today can be cliche, but the question is, is when I leave these doors, will I apply what I've learned on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday without interruption so I can see God move? So stretch your thinking through God's word. The second way you can begin to think big is surround yourself with big thinkers. Surround yourself with, with big thinkers. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this. It says, bad company corrupts good character. So we're always rubbing off on each other. So one thing I, I, I'd encourage you to do is always take inventory of, of who's surrounding you. If there's no one surrounding you, that's not good either. You know, you, you, can, you can have um, leeches surrounding you, so they suck energy, they suck joy, they, they, they complain, they bicker, they moan. You can have passive people. These are the dangerous ones. Because at least if you're a leech and you're negative, I know who you are and where you are. Yeah. Right? But the neutralizers, they, they, they're passive. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to do anything. They're fine. Then you have the empowerers, people who you get around and they just, you got to come up. They, they sharpen you. They make you better. They challenge you. They don't care about hurting your feelings because they love you too much to see you sit on your potential and to see you be the way that you used to be. So they'll say, Let, let's work on that. Let's change that. Let's get in a room. Let's put it on a whiteboard. Let's write that vision down. Let's write the desire down. Oh, that's the kind of man you're praying for? Let's write it down. That's the kind of woman you're praying for? Let's write it down. Habakkuk says, write the vision. God actually says, write the vision. So why do we got to take notes in church? Because writing is spiritual. We stand on something that's written. And what you need is you need to be able to go back to it See what you wrote, what God laid on your heart. Beyond that, you need someone who's going to say, hey, let's work on what you wrote yeah. a year ago. Yep. You need someone who's going to remind you of that thing you wrote down a year and a half ago. You see him and it's like, hey, how you doing, oh, man, Starbucks? Oh, yeah, I'll get the, the dragon fruit mango and I'll get the peach infusion tea and I'll get the froth and you flip it and you dip it and you make it cold, make it hot. I don't like it. Take it back to the barista. And I, oh, then you sit down with him and it's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, ha, 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 ha. Hey, um, you working on that thing? What? 
you're not working on it, are you? You need someone who's going to work on it. Whoever you surround yourself, you, if you surround yourself with a gossiper, you're going to become a gossiper. If you surround yourself with dishonorable, disrespectful people, you will show up somewhere but not have any honor for your leadership, not have any honor for your boss. You're just there to get a paycheck. But the danger in that is that you're not finding the joy in your job because you're too busy in the back room gossiping with your coworker. When God says honor, God says love, God says be excellent, God says work hard and surround yourself with people who are going who are gonna to raise you up. Surround yourself with big thinkers. Big thinkers. Oh, you, you, you work here? Yeah. What else you do? Oh, well, I'm in school. Um, Got to hit the gym. I get in bed at 10 p.m. because I got to be up at 5. Big thinkers. Big thinkers. Big thinkers. God bless me, bless me, bless me. God's like, who are you surrounding yourself with? I, I can't bless you. Because their, their, their words hold, hold more weight in your life than my word. So what you got to do is you got to find friends. Shadir is really, oh, I'm, I'm with you. What you got to do is you got to find friends who are speaking my word into your life. Big thinkers. Problem solvers. Go ahead and write that down. You need, big thinkers are problem solvers. Problem solvers. Solution finders. Solution finders. I always, I always told the Lord, if I ever became an employer, I would hire solution finders. I know there's a problem. We're dealing with people. Yeah. <laughs> What's the solution? We don't have enough money. That's fine. What is the solution? Yes. This person said this. Great. What is the solution? <laughs> right? You need to surround yourself with. Is this, is this too practical? Is this okay? Are we speaking life? Can we give God's word a hand clap? Just trying to see if you're awake. That's felt so we just had six or seven weeks of just, we've been in it, right? We've been, we've been rooted. But today I want, I want to speak person to person, all right? Um, number three, have big talk. Have big talk. I love, I love the vision that, that we have as a church. In 20 years, 20 locations across the DMV. 20 locations. And uh, I, I ran across a comment recently. Who, who said this? I forget who said it, but it was so powerful. They said, one of the quickest ways to kill a big dream is to share it with a small mind. I wish they were here. Whoever you are, you got a great response. <laughs> I've been dropping bombs all morning, y'all. Just, uh. We're just having a talk today. And, and so, like, I, I've been saying this now for, what, two and a half years, almost 20 campuses, even when it was 20 people in the room, Shady Grove Middle School. And so some people are like, that's weird. I get it. Some people are like, we can do it. I'm here. Count me in. I'm giving. I'm going to serve. I'm going to grow as a leader. 
I'm going to make disciples. Right? right? And so when, when you, can't, you can't give a big dream to small-minded people. It'll kill it. That's what we're going to see next week when we start with Joseph. He's going to tell his dreams, and they're going to say, we absolutely hate you. And so there's a principle that Jesus teaches. He says, don't give your pearls to pigs. So what you have to begin to do is ask yourself, is the room, are the rooms that I'm in, rooms speaking from a more uh, principle perspective, are the rooms that I'm in, am I surrounded by people who can, who can facilitate these thoughts and these ideas? Or when I share them, do they go in one ear and out the other? That, that's, that's prime just, just sign that you're not in the right room. You're not in the right room. So, so, so now, and I'm going to tell you, as you follow Jesus, watch this. Jesus will take you places that you are not supposed to be. Given your education, given your race, given your gender, given your experience, as you follow Jesus, he will take you into environments where you are not supposed to be. But what he's doing is he's putting you around bigger people. Then what bigger people do is that they open doors to possibilities that you never knew were possible. And when you get into these rooms, you want to have your questions ready. You want to have your concerns ready. And you want them to pour into you so that you can bypass steps that they had to go, go through in order to get to where they are. So make sure that you're surrounding yourself around big talkers. And that's, that's what you got to, are you, oh, I just heard one of my favorite uh, pastors, he said, um, he said he, he doesn't like, he said he hates to hear when other people, be it at a cookout or something, um, he'll, he'll hear all from a distance, ah, ha, 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 you haven't changed one bit. He's like, if I haven't changed, <laughs> if there's not something different about me, that means I'm not growing, that means I'm not advancing, that means I'm not changing. If you see the same me, that you saw when I was 17 years old, there's something a little weird about that. God wants you to grow, and one of the ways that you grow is you get around people who have big talk. When you have big talk, you go home and you process it. I don't know if currently the way I'm thinking is going to get me there. Big talk. So, so one, one thing, with, uh, Chris here, I almost called him Pastor Chris, wow. One thing with Chris, and so I'm, I'm speaking over his life, um, like, you know, he has a big dream, a, a big vision that God has given him. And I know it's going to take years. But one thing I'm very strategic about, just about every other month, about six, seven times a year, is reminding him of that. Because there's a, there's some kind of, there's something that is ignited in you when you're reminded of that vision, of that person you want to be. Yeah. And it's like, man, I, I've stopped working on myself in this area, but, but my coach and my pastor and this person that really cares about me, they have not. Right. So they'll, they'll bring you into a room and say, hey, you, you told me about that business. You told me you wanted to live pure. Yeah. Living pure is big talk, too. Yeah. Hey, girl, you, you, you left that house? It's 10 o'clock. 
You said, I'm just saying, don't get mad at me. You said you want to read your Bible more. Stop hanging out with him. That's big talk. Marriages need healthy marriages. Man, uh, I'm a killer. I promise I'm going to knock her out. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on, babe. Come on in. Let, let's talk to these two. Right? That's big talk. No, let, let's, let's serve each other. Let's love each other. Let's walk together. That's big talk because your kids need you. Your grandkids need you. Let's think this through. God has called you to be with her until the day you die. Come on. We work this out. That's big talk. Oh, yeah, here it is. Proverbs 15, 22. Great timing. It says this. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. You need the right people in the room. Number four. If you're going to be a big thinker, serve under or work for big thinkers. Serve under big thinkers. Submit to the leadership and the authority of big thinkers. It's okay. They're going to expedite your process. Serve under big thinkers. King David was someone who served King Saul. I want to read this excerpt from this book. You guys mind? Cool, cool. All right. Uh. Give me a second. All right. So um, you ought to get this book, 360 Leader. It's amazing. John Maxwell. I want to read something from his chapter, The Ego Challenge. The Ego Challenge. Because right now, I just believe in culture, we're in a deficit of honor. And um, honor is taught about so much in the scripture as a principle that God blesses and he uses to promote us. And so when I see the devil operating in dishonor in the church and in our workplaces, it really breaks my heart because it's like your boss still goes to sleep at night. You're undermining your process, right? So the ego challenge, serving under big thinkers, you're putting yourself around. Here it is right here. He says, concentrate more on your duties than on your dreams. Watch this. John Maxwell wrote this about noted composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein was once asked which instrument he considered to be the most difficult to play. And so Bernstein said this, Bernstein said this, he said, uh, he said, second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find one who can play second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. With enthusiasm, to find someone who will be In the unseen, and, and do it with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And, and to do it for weeks and months and years. Like, I don't, I don't know if many of you know it, but there's a table behind this, this uh, curtain. And uh, all the mics sit like this until they're ready to be used. So before I, before I come out front, 
I hand them my Bible, my notes, my iPad, and they, the production team, they're amazing. They organize it. They put it on my table. They have my water ready, and they put my microphone together. Right? And so, but they're, they're smiling, and they're sweating, and they're doing the hard work. And you have people who come in here at 6.30, 7 a.m., plug up all this stuff. Just for really a 40-minute sermon, which is the most important aspect of church. But unless this happens, this may not be able to happen. And and so Maxwell is really hitting on something because Jesus said in Matthew 20, if you want to be great, you shall be servant of all. If you want to be the greatest, if you want to be blessed, if you want to conceive a dream, you need to get under big thinkers. You need to put yourself in the environment and the culture, and the atmosphere of big thinkers and big dreamers. And so to finish off Bernstein's comment, he says this here. He says, uh, Maxwell said this, we can often become so focused on our dreams and goals that we lose sight of the responsibilities right in front of us. Effective leaders pay more attention to production than to promotion. Because effective Big thinkers who start out early understand that my production is, becomes the stepping stones to the rooms I want to be in. And so I was teaching at High Word Wednesday, thank you, Holy Spirit, that your gift or your talent can get you into the building, but it's your character that's going to get you on the elevator. So, like, God wants to see it if, if it's okay. Like, get, get, become a part of a company that's forward-moving, that has vision. Own that leader's vision. Pass those values down. Pass that language down. Be intentional about it. Get in a church. It doesn't have to be this church. But get in a church that has forward-moving vision. Yes. Own that vision. Good. Become that vision. Yes. Have the language. Train other people in that vision Monday through Friday. And watch God see God is watching you honor process so that he can promote you in due time. So you got to get under big thinkers. We're going 20 locations in 20 years. You got to think big. You got to think big. Think big. What, what, you you got to have a dream right now. What, what, what are you dreaming about? You need to write that thing down. If it's from God, write it down. Write it down. Write it down. Now, write it down. What's on your heart? I want you to take 30 seconds. If you believe God has shown you something about relationships, about a business, about your ministry, write that sucker down right now. Write it down. And don't forget about it. Think on it daily. The reason I'm telling you to write it is because this. Because if God has given it to you, when you write it, what you wrote is a receipt of the fact that a transaction has taken place between you and heaven. If you don't write it, you have no proof that God gave it. And now begin to have those relationships in your life that are going to push you into that.
that thing. It can be anything. Big talk. Big talk. All right. Let's go to Isaiah 55. It says this here. Uh, and we're going to we come on up and close me out. Isaiah 55, 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for, for the hungry. I love that. Here it is. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. So that's the result of big thinking. You're going to live in joy and peace and the mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Sometimes I just go outside. Everything in life can be molding, but as long as you have a, you think big, ah, it's just, mm, just beautiful. Because you're a big thinker. And he says this here, where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name, and they will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. So, so a couple benefits of being a big thinker. Number one, you're going to grow. Go ahead and write this down. Grow in every season. Man, it's hot. I want to stay inside. It's summer. You're growing. Summer in the scripture represents the drought, but you're growing. Clarity and, and joy. You're growing. Big thinking. I shared last week about, and I share this quite often, about our family being that season of government assistance, but yet being in ministry. We had to think big. Because trials and tribulations have the power to weigh you down and, and say, you, you, you better don't even, don't even think about dreaming. You'll never get out of this. Your marriage will never be healed. You'll, you'll, always, you, you'll always be sick. You'll always be broke. We, we had to. We, we won't be here. We won't stop here. We're passing on through. Got to have a big dream big thinking, big vision. And what that cause was, even though it was tough, the more we pushed against it, the stronger we got. We didn't succumb to, to the crushing. We pushed against it. So you're going to grow. And, and we came to find out that God was faithful. He was a provider. We became wiser. And now we're pastoring people who are going through things we're going through. Now it all makes sense. Because God wants to bring you to a place, I will, you will be like kings. You will have influence. They will come to you. you. You don't understand that part of what you're going through is actually for someone else five, ten years down the road just to have a little hope through the wisdom that you've gained through it. So you got to press against that thing that's trying to keep you down. And when you think big, you grow in every season. Number two, you're going to grow in every area of your life. You're making going to make progress spiritually. I think the most important thing, number three, is that you grow into the dreamer or the thinker. 
take away success and prosperity. Make me the right person. Then give me that, and I'll know how to manage it and multiply it. God is working on you, becoming more like Christ. Let's give God's word a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you, and we give you all the praise and the honor. God, I thank you for your presence, Lord. Give us the strength to, to, to think big. Lord, we ask that you would transform our thinking. Help our thoughts to become your thoughts, Jesus. Help our ways to become your ways. And Lord, you just promised that whenever you send your word and we, whenever we apply it, that it will bear much fruit. And so with every head bowed, the process of changing your thoughts comes by changing your heart. So I'm just gonna, as we're praying, just on the count of three, I'm gonna have you raise your hand. Maybe you've, you haven't given your heart, your life to Jesus. And Jesus wants to begin to change the way you think so that God can bless you, so that you can prosper in a relationship with the Father. Or maybe you know Jesus, but you haven't been following him. So this morning, you want to come back to God. So on the count of three, I'm just going to ask that you would raise your hand. And we're going to pray together as a church. Come on home. One, two, three. Coming to Jesus for the first time or if you're coming back to him and you want him to begin to do a work in your life. Hallelujah. Church, let's go ahead and pray. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Give me your spirit. Forgive me of my sin. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Thank you, thank you, thank you.